Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Silas Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Denise C. Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Today our guest is Dr. Fallon Wilson, Digital Diversity. This was recorded on September 28, 2021. Dr. Fallon Wilson is the newly named the Vice President of Policy at the Multi Multicultural Media and Telecommunication Internet Council, which is better known as MMTC, where she launched a national campaign, Black Churches for Broadband, to support digital access in Black communities. She is also the co-founder Black Tech Futures Research Institute, which is funded by a Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation's 2020 Open Knowledge Grant. Black Tech Futures Research Institute builds a nat national network of city-based researchers and practitioners conducting research on sustainable local Black tech ecosystems. <clears throat> Prior to, the, to launching the Black Tech Futures Research Institute, Dr. Wilson was the former research director for Black Tech Mecca, where she developed the SMART Black Tech Ecosystem Assessment Framework. Someone put in the chat section, welcome Dr. Wilson, we are ready to hear from you. Um, I don't know if we can start a lovely sisterly conversation without backing back into this barbecue conversation about Missouri. And I am I is a Texonian. Come on, come and on. I am from Houston. And I don't know if you saw the Netflix documentary about High on the Hog. Yes, it was that. about Texas barbecue. Not Missouri's, not mm -hmm. Memphis, not all of these dry rubbing places. Oh, oh, of dry bones, a dry rubbing. I know that's you not why you have me here, but I just want to put a little note right there for you. Well, Rev. Um, Doctor Wright. Uh huh. I tell you what, I, 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 I'm be ready for you by the end of the program because this is your show today. <laughs> See, let me let me tell you something about Dr. Wilson though. Let me just let you in on a little secret. You know that she is from Texas because most Texans call barbecue barbecue. It, it is it, what it, it is. is what it is. And listen, the greatest I'm telling you, oh Lord. Mm. Come on. She it knows is. what she's talking about. See, I can I can vouch for Missouri barbecue and for Chicago barbecue. Chicago. 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 has to go out just to get in me. Yeah. I my own. That's what I'm saying. Memphis, I can see and I get it. They have their own thing they do around dry rubs and all that stuff. But Texas. I mean, where's the word beef and cattle? Texas. First of all, we don't have to fight. It was the beef cattle Chicago. people in Texas. Mm -hmm. I'm from Texas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
But I hear you, Missouri. I have family there. Dr. Wilson, you got folk hungry on here. <laughs> I mean, y'all started with the brisket and the potato, and I didn't know it was a low ball you were doing, Dr. Wallace, but I love that too. Um, but I think Dr. Wilson, let me hold on a second. So she didn't know it was a low ball either. Um, yeah, I didn't catch that. I, I, did, I didn't get an opportunity to continue oh, before great. I got cut off. Because we start with the protein, you start with a white. Uh -uh. Okay, I'm sorry, Dr. Brad, you had some questions for I get. I start with what's hearty. Potato is hearty. I need something to be hearty, and then I coat your stomach for the oil and the you know from the juices of the brisket that you're gonna put on there from Texas. Okay, gotcha. Um, Dr. Bradford, before you start with your questions, I do want want you to note Amanda Leakes. Yes. She's wonderful. Um, she's just saying thank you for featuring the MMTC Vice President, Dr. Fowler Wilson, of course. I love her. She's so Yes. And she actually put in blackchurchesforbroadband.org. And we're going to talk about that as well, um, Ms. Leakes. Oh, thank you. She already put it in there. We're excited that you're here, Dr. Um, Dr. Wilson. And what you're doing in the community, in our churches in particular, our Black churches in particular, <clears throat> Um, we want to know, um, well, let me, since we've already talked about food, you already told us how you're doing in these streets, in these COVID streets, you eating. Quarterly. Quarterly. Exactly. You're eating and we're excited that you're here. Um, we want to know what is um, Black Churches for Broadband? Um, it is, I will, I have to give you a prequel before I answer that 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 question. Um, for the last seven years, I have worked with like Proctor, uh, the Proctor Conference. I've worked with the with American Baptist College. <clears throat> I have worked trying to get so many of our church leaders to see the need to talk about technology beyond evangelism. You know, we understand televangelism and online evangelism. I mean, before we have always an online church because we've always had streaming faith. Do y'all remember streaming faith mm -hmm, back mm -hmm, in the day? Mm -hmm. You know, yes. many of the mega churches, mega black churches got on and they were able to stream their, their church services and people were able to get on then. So we're not, so black churches are not new to the space of online virtual church. But what we are new to is how do you do it when you're disconnected from people, in particular the people in your sanctuaries, right? So it's not necessarily all about like going out and getting people. We need to figure out how we can get the people that are everyday parishioners to be connected to our services and the work that we do in a pandemic world. And so it kind of shifts the dynamic from like, go out and, 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 and preach the message on the virtual to how do I know if Sister Montgomery is okay? Because I haven't seen her in three months and she can't leave the house because she has, you know, comorbidities and she also is of a certain age, right? And she has a flip phone. And so those were the new dynamics that many, you right, Dr. Rob, you know, she does, she got that flip phone. She keeps it in her bosom right here. Right? Yeah. Um, but, but those were the new dynamics that we were faced as, as church leaders. You know, I am a, I, I'm a church council member. I'm very proud of that. And I also run our church city. So I, I am well organized on what it means to like the governance of church work. And so when you thought about that and the work that I care about is like always connecting people to the future automated world. And when I say 
and you know, there, there's a mentor of mine that talks about the Jetsons and the Flintstones. The Jetsons are coming. This is the automated world is coming. The Terminators are coming. This is not some futuristic thing that we are conjured up. That world is coming. And I've spent a lot of time trying to educate our churches and our communities on that. But before I can even get to like, like um, automated robots cleaning your house for you, right? I have to talk about that 40% of black people don't have access to the internet. And that is a large number. And that's not even talking about those who have like smartphones, right? And, you know, I, I'm gonna use my sister cause she let me use her as an example. And that's not including those who only have access to mobile devices. And I have like seven phone numbers for my sister cause she turns over her phone because of the cost of it. If she can't pay them sometimes, she gets a new number. And so it's not consistent access to the internet because sometimes they cannot afford the cost. It's the affordability of it, right? And so when I was brought on at MMTC, they said, Fallon, how can we really take our policy work? And and MMTC, let me just put it back here. For the last 35 years, they're the reason why you have diversity in cable. The reason why you can have a BET or all the other types of cultural programming you have is because they have taken cable companies and all these folks to like the Supreme Court and to the court system to demand equality for black and brown broadcasters. So they are known for that work. They're doing the same thing now when it comes to the internet and technology, right? You will not build the Facebooks of the world without black and brown people. You will not be able to build these worlds without black people having access to the internet. And so it's a legacy organization that doesn't get its shine in the way that it should because it's so much about policy. But now we're at a new space where we're talking about how to take that policy and make it actionable for community. And so I said, talk to the churches. I said, we, we often leave y'all out. We leave us out, right? Because we don't think that church people care about technology, that it's sinful, that science is bad. But we are thinking Black church women and men, and we do science, we understand technology, and we want to figure out how to make those spaces better for our community, right? And so a natural thing was to organize Black churches to talk about getting access to the internet because we didn't have it. And so Congress last December said, oh my God, there are people in the U.S. who don't have the internet. Let's give some appropriated dollars to do this. And they did in the form of the emergency broadband benefit. And when I say broadband, ladies, I'm not talking about your bra size. You know, I'm not talking about those things. That's I know I see it in the eyes. <laughs> I'm really talking about, you know, internet. It is, it is a shishi way of saying internet. And so they said, we're going to give a subsidy, like we give a subsidy for food for those who can't afford it. Free, free and reduced lunch is a subsidy. A Pell Grant is a subsidy. And now government is saying, I want to give you an internet subsidy. I want to make sure that you don't have to worry about connecting to your parishioners. I want to make sure your parishioners have access to the internet. But, and so they gave this money. I should know how many billions of dollars because, you know, I'm pretty sure my boss is watching this like Fallon, but it was a billion some dollars, right? And they needed to sign people up for the emergency broadband benefit. And I said, if you want to reach the black community, you have to go through our, what I consider to be an anchor institution for black communities, our churches. Mm -hmm. And so some folks didn't believe that this could happen because once again, they have assumptions about what African-American churches care about. We care about incarceration. We, 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 We care about voting rights, but could they care about the internet? And I said, yes, because once again, we have always done internet. 
streaming faith is is a, is a testament of that. That was like 10 some years, 15 years ago. Right. And also we are smart. And so I was able to organize and get amazing organized national black church organizations to come on board. So the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Conference came on board. The Balm and Gilead came on board with Dr. Pernessa Seal. Um, Leah Daughtry with the Black Church Pack came on board. Um, Dr. Bishop Flunder's work, the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries came on board. Dr. Renita J. Weems came on board as herself because she believes in it. Up at, it's amazing when you can be a movement unto yourself. So mm-hmm. she came on board, right? And so I had, and then and then also um, Reverend Jackie Burton's, um, the National Council of Black Churches came on board. So I literally had like various sections of Black church nonprofit organizations who could tell a robust story of why churches and why Black churches in particular care about this. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing the work in educating Black church leaders about the emergency broadband benefit. Um, we hosted panels. I mean, we trained leaders. It was like in three months, we were able to touch over 10,000 Black church leaders. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty amazing. Number one, for D.C. and for Vice President Kamala Harris in particular, to know that churches cared, that that Mother Montgomery had access to the Internet, that our kids who were doing remote school that they had access to the internet. And for those who can get out and get vaccines, right? They had telehealth and they had access to the internet, right? And so the culmination of our work over three months is that we had over 400 black church leaders across the country sign a letter sent directly to Vice President Kamala Harris, written by Dr. Weems, to say that we need to make sure that when you pass this infrastructure bill, because I don't know if y'all watch the news, because that's all they talk about. Mm-hmm. Democrat this, Republican that, Progressive Caucus this, Progressive Caucus that. It is all about how they gonna spend these dollars, right? And so what we are hoping they spend some of those dollars on when they finally pass the infrastructure bill is really looking at extending a permanent a long-term internet subsidy for for everybody, but definitely for Black people in this country and also for Latino people and the and First Nation people who don't have access to the internet. Because I can't talk about a future question you're going to give me, um, Dr. Bradford, what are Black tech ecosystems when so many of us don't have it? And we take for granted that many of us don't have it, or that even if there are low-cost like programs like Internet Essentials from Comcast in your neighborhood, our kids don't know how to hook up the modem to it. And so even if I give them access, they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so it sits in the corner in their home. And and this happened to one of my mentees. Mm-hmm. I, and this is really bad on me because, you know, I talk about this stuff all the time. I said, Shana, did you connect to the Internet? I said, how was school going? Oh, Miss Fallon, I didn't know how to I don't know how to put it together. It's just been in the corner for the last two months. I said for two months in remote school. You have not had the internet, even though it doesn't cost you anything because we, you know, we enrolled you into the internet essentials program and it's just sitting in the box because you don't know how to connect the modem to the cable. And I think there's a lot of a lot of a lot of that around adoption and adopting the internet is what we are trying to do. And so Black Churches for Broadband is a movement that started like literally four months ago to educate our churches on this and why they need to get their people and their parishioners signed up for this program. The next fight, which is the noble fight, because you always gotta have a noble fight in your life. I'm going out on someone down this here hill right here. Mm is that if the federal government can give dollars to hospitals and libraries and schools, 
to do this work of connecting their communities to the internet because they're considered to be anchor institutions. There's no reason why churches, temples, and mosques cannot also be anchor institutions that do this work. Mm -hmm. And so that would be the next work of Black Churches for Broadband, having critical conversations about why churches and also, it's love that Black churches get to lead this, you know, you know, because it's so important for us to be able to lead at the vanguard um, to do this work. And so, yeah. And so that's Black churches for broadband. That's that is um, that's amazing to hear um, the work that that's going in. But what struck me was 40 percent of our community do not have Internet access. Wow. And See, and I, you know, and I, you know, as a researcher, I like to disaggregate things, yeah. um, but we don't even know exactly what that fully looks like. Once again, it could be a mix of, and it's also how this, how the um, American Community Survey collects the data. It could mean that they have, once again, access to a mobile device and that counts as internet. It could mean that they have actual home internet connection. I mean, it, it could mean, once again, they may have a phone one day and a mobile phone not the next day, depending yeah. on we don't We don't know, because number one, in my opinion, we don't necessarily ask people what they have and who they are, and that's across the board. And number two, sometimes we're not as interested in understanding Black lived experience or, or Brown lived experiences in this world like we should to know exactly what they have. Wow. And we have to be, in, and the Black church has to be in, um, in contact with our members, right? I mean, you have to. Yeah. How Who can do it? Uh, well, now, well, how can Black churches lead in tech and innovation spaces? I mean, you can lead by number one, realizing that it is bigger than virtual evangelism. Mm. This is not about having some the most amazing stream. This is not about hiring some amazing like young person in your church to do your digital social media Instagram posting. I mean, I, that's a surface level. I mean, let me not let me, that's the surface level. Fine. If you if that is your notion of leading in technology for black people as a church, okay. I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna be upset with you on that. But if I pull the curtain and show you the man behind the curtain, you know, like in the Wizard of Oz, you know, yeah. it was a, he was big and scary and technology is big and scary. But then you pull it, you just be like, that's some white dude animating. And I tell you that you don't own what you put on Facebook. Your sermons are not your sermons. Any longer. Can be muted because Facebook doesn't want to be sued by music companies. If I tell you that every time you get on Facebook and say Jesus is alive, that that tracks into some data and some algorithm that tells you what you should want and what you need, not of your own omission. See, this is the thing about y'all. Y'all should ask me about the Holy Spirit and, and technology because I can go deep on this. Uh, but about this notion of automating preference, telling you what you should buy based on what you're doing online, taking away your free will to be able to choose what you want. To me, that is of not of God. And I would say something else because I don't, but I don't know whose policy person is listening to this. See, if we were on a closed network, once again, I could say all types of things, mm. but I don't know who's listening and how my video of my face, this beautiful face that's seen before you, could be taken and made what we call a deep fake. A deep fake, not like Michael Kors knockoff bag. That's no, 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 not a fake in that way. But if I had 100 images of your face, Dr. Wallace, I could animate you. I could, I could become you. 
because that is how technology is evolving. And so when churches say, how can I lead in this space? And they only think about televangelism or virtual evangelism as a space. And I'd be like, our civil rights will, are being attacked. The reason why Congress is angry with Facebook is because Facebook said to all you black people in 2016 that I'm going to allow Russian bots to tell you why you shouldn't vote for what you want to vote for. I'm going to use all your preference data to track you against voting for Biden. And so Congress says, oh, no, we can't have that Facebook. Oh, no, Apple, you can't do this with our data. But for me to get to that level of conversation, I got to start with Internet access because that's where the inequity begins. Because you can't talk about, once again, how data is being used or how Facebook is using your sermon. And one day you look up, you be like, I didn't say it. But they took it because they have the right to. We have no rights. Ooh, should I say that? Hmm. Ananda, I know you're listening, but we just flown with it. That is just so amazingly true. And it is sad how ignorant we all are sometimes in the Black church around technology because we don't want to be perceived as less spiritual. Hmm. Or more scientific. So I'm 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 really concerned about our young people. So how do we get our young people, which is the next generation? Right. Uh, my phone in 10, 20 years will be considered one of those flip phones. This is true. So how do I get my grandchildren to get really motivated and interested and how can I use the black church to help them be cognizant that STEM is the way to go. STEM is how, I mean, they play these video games and I really believe they can create some of these games if they had the STEM foundation. So how can the black church help with that? I mean, I, you, I'll give you this data point. If I tell people all the time, especially those who are struggling for employment or those who are trying to figure out what their next life for job will be, especially mm-hmm. if they want to be economically mobile. I said, if you take this coding class for six months, your automatic entry level position is $75,000. Wow. There's no equivocation on that. Wait, 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 wait. You got to say that one more time. Slowly. I said six, six months to whatever the, the length of the coding class is, our software school, because what you're learning, if coding to me is just this bracket, bracket, slash, slash, zero, zero, bracket, bracket. And every time you do that bracket, bracket, zero, zero, slash, slash, a website appears. There is no, you don't have to be a... You don't need critical thinking at this level of code. Let me just say it at this level of code in order to develop the skill sets to get a a great job right Mm -hmm. in a tech field. Mm -hmm. As you grow in skill level, of course, then I need you to be more conscious of the biases that you bring into how you do bracket bracket slash code code. Right. Which is why we're having issues with Facebook and other organizations, other social media platforms. Because when they built them, they were not thinking about racism. Mm -hmm. They were not thinking about sexism. They weren't thinking about homophobia. They were not thinking about all of these things that came to how they did 
bracket, bracket, slash, slash, and created a website that now tracks or does not recognize you, your face, as a black person in the facial recognition software, right? But as but at the, but at the beginning level, Dr. Wallace, I think when we think about our churches, part of it once again is getting educating black churches about this world. I don't I don't think you create a coding camp or easy tech camp in your church without the without your church leadership having some understanding of how this world works. I mean, I'm gonna be honest about that. I could give you money. I can put you in contact with Microsoft or with all these amazing tech organizations, I mean, companies, and they would say, we will give you money to do a lab. But I have seen so many wasted computer labs. I mean, they just, they languish at the, at the, at the pool of broken dreams or whatever Langston Hughes said, what happens to a dream deferred? Mm-hmm. It's stunted. Mm-hmm. It's stunted because we don't have leadership who understands, to your point, how this world is changing and how we need to get, we have to run super quick to catch up to non-people of color, white folks who have decided that not only are they going to the moon, because I don't know if y'all know that, you know, they had the first like airship to go into space with non-astronauts two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So that they began colonizing space. So when I say that the world, that the Jetsons are here, I'm not, I'm not playing on that anymore. And I have been Jeremiah Limited. I have been Jeremiah, but like the robots are coming, they come and people look at you, they look at me like I'm crazy, but they here. Exactly. And so I think part of getting like youth involved is not just seeing it as a youth problem, but seeing it as an intergener- intergenerational issue. You, Dr. Wallace, um, Dr. Wright, you too can go from making whatever you're making in addition to $80,000 job by learning slash slash bracket bracket. Wow. But question is will the companies hire you see this this is this is the part where you have bias and racism mm-hmm. um and companies mm-hmm. because ageism 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 in companies yeah. which is why i'm of the of the ilk that if we're going to teach and once i get church leaders to understand the world we're building i always push for entrepreneurship now let our babies create their own to your point their yes. own world yes. To yes. think that two white boys last summer said, oh, my gosh, I want to do an audio app. And now it's called Clubhouse. And now it's a billion dollar company. But was made popular by black people having conversations about all types of things. I'm, they ain't holy conversations they have on their ladies. Um, but I mean, it's, it's so it's the notion of it's like a wild, wild west of opportunity. But yet there's still structural racism that can prevent us from growing if, once again, our, our elders and our leaders are not knowledgeable. You can't steer the youth if you don't understand the, the, the complexities of racial tech disparities, that even if I trained them, they may not get a job. Howard, Howard University understood this. For many years, Google went to Howard, HBCU and DC said, we want your best and brightest to come work for us, right? Mm-hmm. Howard said, oh, great. But Howard realized the chair of their computer science program, after years of working with Google, that Google would keep their students in in an apprenticeship program. They would never become full programmers, right? Mm -hmm. And so Howard, the chair of Howard's um, computer science program is like, you know, at this point, my my investment is thinking about how to teach them computer science and entrepreneurship so that they can build their own realities because racism is real in these companies. Mm. And it is something that, you know, once again, as a leader in your church, you have to be able to say this. 
You can't mm -hmm. say, go do coding. And then I'm like, well, only 2% of black people work in any tech company mm -hmm. for the most part from Facebook. Maybe, okay, I'm at 4%, maybe. Um, and so you got to be honest about the realities. That's why you got to educate the leaders to have effective um, tech programming in your church. Thank you. That's one. That's wonderful. That uh, when I was in college, it was Fortran, and that, that nobody even knows what Fortran is. Oh, you do Fortran? I used to. I used to. I, I, I can't tell you any of that is still here. But I believe if I go back to one of those coding companies, some of that will come back to me. <laughs> You know, you're the second, you know, this is the, the researcher, Valen, I mean, you're the second black woman, thinking woman of faith that I've met. Dr. Co Dr. Carruthers also was doing Fortran back in the day and doing coding. So it's, it is very, very interesting. But if we're transitioning into ministry, oh, Bible, let's talk about black women and bivocationality as, as ministers and getting into coding. Now, that's the whole conversation we can have there. And about building your own tools for our community from a lens of being a womanist scholar. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have thoughts. What a, what a great segue. Talk. Come on, talk. that is a great segue. Well, what is the role? Man, How let me tell you. In, in the uh, building the black church digital world. Black women, let me tell y'all are some of my most favorite people, not only because I am one, <laughs> um, but, but because it is amazing how we just, we're always at the vanguard, though we don't get credit for it. Let's be clear. History is written by those who are the conquerors. And often the conquerors have been men in, in the last, you know, 100 years or 400 years of our lives, right? It's not always been this way. But when I think about the work that Reverend Dr. Melva Sampson is doing around digital hush harbors, when I think about the work that Dr. Gina Stewart or Dr. Renita Williams did during the pandemic to bring Black women together into a space of wusa. This is a scary place, but we have each other, right? When I think about like even the, let's be clear, the nonprofit organizations that were leading black churches for broadband, all black women. And I took a lot of slack for that. There's, there have been some folks who've said to me, have sent me emails, put me in meetings and said, why are you working with all these black women organizations? Can you not find a black male organization to help lead this work? And I said, I tried. And they told me no. They told me no. Or they told me how much could I pay them? And so when I think about like who is will be at the vanguard of innovation and technology for black churches, it is going to be black women. And I and I, I don't a part of me thinks it's because we're always having to animate and recreate and push ahead irrespective because gender is oppressive, right? In that type of way. But it is, yeah, I am. I am astounded. I am astounded by the level of like push and pull I have to do with black male ministers to get them to understand this space. And it could be because it's a, coming from a woman. Maybe if I was a dude, then they'd be like, "Bros, you know." But because I am not, um, they have dismissed my work and dismissed the opportunity to support it. Um, and I suspect as we grow, they will come back because then there's more shine. Um, but on the ground level, it has been womanist scholars from Reverend Dr. Lacey Callahan, um, Re Reverend Dr. Valerie Bridgman. I mean, these womanist scholars have said, Fallon, how can we support your work? And Reverend Dr. Dina Stewart is like, Fallon, I understand it because I, I have a church 
and doing Easter. And I think she, I think she's on public record for saying this. I'm just going to tell the story. Um, she's like doing Easter. They, they went down, the internet went down and mind you doing a virtual space. Once again, this, the second time in a pandemic, she's like, we can't have that. This is high. This is, this is when our, our high holy moments where we give inspiration and hope. And then we go black because we don't own our own networks. We don't, have our own, and we don't understand internet. And so she and her church leadership have taken that to task and are building their own networks and working with the city to figure this out for their community because never would they ever be in a space again where they didn't have internet access to be able to convey hope through a, and in this case, Easter, but through any other space where they can't touch because of the pandemic touch um, their congregation. And so it is a, it is a call for her now. And so Black women leading the charge, seeing the need and just doing the work. And it has been humbling and amazing to watch and also easy on me not not having to like break my back to say why they should do it. They just jumped in. What do we need to do to make this work, Fallon? So it's been, yeah, Black women and and, and all of the things around Digital Hush Harbors and and even the work y'all are doing, Timely Wisdom. I mean, the being able to use these platforms, which number one, were not built to where they were not built for us. Let's be very clear. Streaming train yard was not built for timely wisdom and black woman creativity. It was a tool for e-commerce and for whatever they wanted to do. I'm sure they didn't think that black women will be on here talking about their Jesus and their jobs and their love and their visions and their dreams. Right. But we bend the technology. And so watching how we bend it. Is a whole book unto itself one day for me to write to see what Black women have done in this space. And when church history is written, it will look back to these moments and to these types of digital archivable moments that it was Black women leading these spaces. Even though the men would try to say, because they have, you know, because patriarchy is real, we were there, but I have the digital archive because this is the thing about code. I can look back and see when the first time you did timely wisdom, zero, zero, bracket, bracket, and say, no, you did not do this, TDJ. This was timely wisdom. That's how cold, cold can cold will equalize this telling of the story because I know because I can pull the data. I can pull the cold, cold, black dash, dash, slash and say, no, you didn't write this. This was timely wisdom. You can equalize it. Mm-hmm. Equalize the playing field. So now personally, how can timely wisdom create their own network? Oh, see, this is now this is the question I get from amazing black folks every time I have this conversation. And I say. I would say building the software is hard. Um, let's let's be clear. It's it's not hard because it's it's not hard because it's not easy to do. It is because you wanted to make it, the term is what we call interoperable. Interoperable. We wanted to be able to work with a Facebook. We want to be able to work with a StreamYard. We want to be able to make work with a TikTok. And so, but each of these softwares have their own rules on how you connect to them, right? Mm-hmm. And being able to connect to all of these rules and build a software can be really expensive, right? Um, because it takes time to figure out how to. It's like, do y'all remember Tetris? <laughs> Legos. I'm, I'm going with this. Come on, come on. Legos and Tetris is a sermon. How do you absolutely this into one? Mm-hmm. And so it's not that you cannot build one. It's just that it would take time and so it's easier to find what we call a white label type of platform where you can license and then build on top of that 
it's kind of like what Proctor did with their new um, social media, social network platform. And I'm going to mispronounce it. And Dr. Coretta, if you're watching, I'm sorry. Mafungo? That may not be the name of it, but they have. Okay, thank you, Dr. Bradford. Yes. And so they have built this out. And so in my mind, in, in like, I would, I would go to them and say, can we see your schematics? Can we see how you did it? Can we build off of it? So can we use your open source, like software to build? Um, I building building things from scratch oftentimes require at least for especially if you want social engagement requires a little more time and money on the on the top end. But if you can find a white label that someone has already built an open source code to do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. But y'all have a website right for all your podcasts, correct? Okay, and y'all have a Facebook page, right? Yes, yeah, have good engagement. Um, you know, sometimes it maybe may not need a, our own platform, but being able to have someone who does marketing and branded tie those tightly together, yes, and then eventually to stream directly to your website away from Facebook is what you want mm -hmm. so that you can own all your stuff. And I'm not saying that Facebook would take your stuff and do stuff. I, I'm lying, I'm not gonna say that. Either. Let me just say the future of like the future world. Because I've gotten because we get this, I we get these questions all the time with Black Tech Futures Research Institute. The work that I do is possibly having a group of black engineers and computer scientists who are about that life, that that uh, that life for the people, to build what we call distributed networks, where you exist on the internet but not tethered to a social media platform. And there are people thinking through what that looks like. And I can actually put you in conversation with someone who's, who, who, would, who could have a conversation with y'all about that. Um, but it's just, yeah, building the software is, is important, having our own space. But I just wish Black folks would just get together and say, can we do it together? Mm -hmm. That's often the issue. The reason why the white people beat us is because they don't have to do it together because they have the capital. But because we don't have like immediate large sums of capital, we really have to own up the process of working together. How can we build a mafungo? How can we work this together? Um, but, you know, I've given up the pipe dream. I mean, you know, as you age into your 30s, ladies, you begin to be like, you know, this dream of everybody working together. You try to let that go. Um, in the 30s. Yeah, we still need community. It, I mean, that's what womanism is about. It's about community. So right. we, we, we need to partner with other like-minded uh, people. Um, sometimes finding those people is difficult, but... Um, and you're right. But, but what I love what y'all are doing, y'all allow me, I don't have a divinity degree backbone to, to stand me up properly, um, but you've allowed me to come on and talk about technology. Being able to find Black church communities, Black church leaders in particular, it's been Black women, Black women in particular, to have these conversations to talk about what would an, what would an automated virtual Black church woman space look like in the next 50 years? And 50 years is really big. I, I can even back it up in the next 10 years, right? How do we get there? What does it mean that we collect our own data about our own lived experiences and stories and our bivocationality as Black church women leaders, right? And how could that inform the type of platform that we build and monetize so that we ain't having to worry about taking money from corporate A, Corporation A or Corporation B? How do we, how, I mean, I think, I think honestly, to your point, Dr. Wallace, it starts with the offline conversation of how can we build this automated world that would justify what we need mm -hmm. and then map 
backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Educate yourself on what that is and then map backwards and then build a piece of software that will get you there in the next 10 years. Because the thing about mm. software, it changes quickly. It does. One minute it does. you have a flip phone, one minute you have an A-track, next thing you know, we streaming music. Next mm. thing you know, you don't even need a device. It just comes into your ear because mm. there's now a pod, mm-hmm. ear pods. That's yeah. And so- While you're talking about this um, and the black church, um, we pride ourselves on being holy and spiritual. And you were resistant a minute ago about ca- talking about spirit. We want you to go in on Holy Spirit and technology. See, because the reason why I was a little resistant, because it's a little out there. I mean, you, but let's be clear. Why well, the spirit is out there, right? Isn't the Holy right. Spirit out there? So let's come on with it. Come on. Okay, well, white seminaries are talking about transcendental humanism. They are talking about what it, what does how does God exist in a automated robotic world? What does code and spirit have to do with each other? What is science and 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 this and this in this in this, in this spiritual space mean and energy? They are going in, and actually, I was invited to do a talk a couple of maybe about two years ago. I can't think of what the seminary was in in California, but they are building whole departments around this. And the reason why, and I don't even have to go to the level of transhumanism to talk about um, the notion of like spirit and this automated world. I really can simply say that I think Black churches, given our commitment to understanding the complexities of what it, what it means of what racism looks like and having a, a liberation theology framework or womanist framework can really inform how we think about technology and how it can be used. There are labs at MIT that are building what I call the 21st century hound dogs. They're robot dogs. They don't get tired. All they need, is, all they need to know is your DNA and they can track you and never get tired, right? And so what is a black, what is a black church response to that? The black church response is like, do you not know the history of hound dogs and how they've been used to track and to surveil and to capture black people or enslaved folks, right? And bring them back into captivity. And this is not the type of technology we should be using, right? Are are talking about for me, because it is it's funny because I, you know, I have a mentor who's always in my mind about these things. She's like, break it down, Fallon, because you know I'll be up so up here. I think. Ooh, I don't even know how to say. I don't know what to say because I don't know if y'all gonna keep me off the program. I just simply believe well, say that. It. Come on, say it. Say I it. Just, we need to. We need to hear believe, it so that just, when we hear it again, it's not foreign because it's think, coming. I just think every moment we have to reinvent ourselves, right? Black churches have consistently had to reinvent yourselves to be ready for what Black people needed in this country, right? Black churches created club movements to be able to culturate newly freed slaves into a new American world, whatever that meant. Black churches had, some black churches had to help them the civil rights. They had to reorient themselves to say that this social gospel. And I think even at this moment, the black church has to reinvent itself again to, to think about how, how, how you can do a funeral virtually and still impart spirit. That spirit is not regulated to in-person touch. And what does that mean? And I think people have had to grapple with this over the last year and a half, especially because of all the death that we have had. Like, what does it mean to be a virtual death doula? What does it mean to do? Can you 
can spirit flow? And, you know, there are some scientists that really do believe that bracket bracket zero one one slash zero zero one is a form of coded language that allows energy, which they think to be spirit to flow. And so for me, it is not a sense of that there's a difference between my practice as a woman of faith and how I experience the Holy Spirit. I just think that this presents another opportunity for Black people to bend technology to have their faith meet their need. And I think, but it once again, it requires going beyond evangelism. It just can't be about virtual evangelism. You have to believe that when I put my hand at this, right, at this camera that I can impart Jesus to you, right? And I don't, and the truth of the matter is we can build technology that can orient itself to that. But most scientists that I meet are not necessarily people of faith, right? That's not to say that it's not the, I'm not, it's not a generalization here, um, but we need more of our divinity seminary students to be looking at the intersections of like spiritual practice, right? And which is why I like the work that Melva is doing around digital hush harbors and, and how these digital spaces become places for where I can, I can indeed give you hope beyond trying to get you to do something transactional for me, like give me something because I'm praying for you, send me a prayer cloth and I'm a pray for you. Know, beyond those types of performative things, right? And I think it is to say that we just need more people to write it because I think it's happening. Um, Dr. Wild, I think people have figured out Black folks, as we always have done, one thing you can never take from Black folks is our creative imagination to, re to reimagine ourselves free, right? We are constantly having to figure out what does freedom look like on scarce resources. And of course, people take and they monetize it. Airbnb was monetized because Oh my gosh, we have always had to have kinship stay with us. We ain't everybody have no house, but Airbnb monetized it. Oh my gosh, everybody, the cabs don't want to come to the south side of Chicago. We had Jitney cabs, but now Uber and Lyft monetized it, right? And it becomes a social media platform where people are, are exchanging goods now. And I would venture to say that there are certain things going on within our spiritual practice that eventually somebody would say, oh my gosh, I'm going to monetize that. And it will have nothing to do with black people because I don't think, because once again, I think, I think our enemies are ourselves because we don't want to talk about technology and science. And I, and for me, science and Jesus are the same thing. I, yeah, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to sit that there. Um, and, and because, but, but that's Fallon's personal practice. I will not be blaming my home church for these things. Um, but I don't see the separation. And also see how, but that, but but that is salvation for you, mm -hmm. and that's who Jesus is. Yeah. Jesus is salvation. So how do we? So, wait, so, 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 so we're gonna. Be, so you, you've been just absolutely beyond excellent for us at this time. Unfortunately, we we've, we've come uh, to the close of our time. Um, but Wilder, we can have that conversation offline too. Okay. Um, you've been beyond excellent, but Ooh. but because but because um, normally I would pull our guests down, um, but I do want to say this um, because you just talked said that Jesus is science, and and I want to respond to one of our viewers that's been very vocal in the chat, um, but it's not about technology, but you just switched, you just gave gave the what I call the bridge 
for us to get to this part. Um, I first want to say that for all the um, the co-hosts to Timely Wisdom, all of us are vaccinated. Um, and I received my third I received my third booster shot a couple of weeks ago so that I could continue to make sure that I um, not only keep myself healthy, but I also keep those around me that are healthy. Um, I, I want to say, say that, that the vac, um, I do want to address that, um, that a leader um, should pray based on their conviction. And if a leader doesn't believe that, that you can be healed from a prayer, uh, then, um, then perhaps that's not the leader you will want to pray for you. Uh, but most of most most of the pastor friends that I know um, pray for all, whether they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. I want to also say that the COVID vaccine was not um, created quickly. COVID, um, the, as far as we've known in this modern age, um, we saw it in about 2002. And so they've been working on this vaccine for 19 years. Um, there, there are hundreds of strands of COVID uh, uh, virus. That's why you're able to get a Lysol can. And um, while we were in the midst of this quote, new pandemic, and, um, and on the back of the Lysol can, it said it was effective against coronavirus, which is COVID. We, right. and, and the reason they call it COVID-19 is so that they're able to distinguish between the other COVID variants that have gone out prior to 2019. SARS, MERS, all of these have been deadly. All of these are strands of the COVID virus. And so I also wanna say this, that uh, the black, for the black population, uh, we make up, I think from, from the 2020 census, we're, we're, we're about less than 14% right. of the US population, but we are dying at twice the rate of others. Um, and when we look at percentage rate, so we right. have more death by COVID. We have more sickness by COVID. Right. And then also, even one who recovers from COVID, what they have found is that, and that COVID has these lingering effects on the body that they are still discovering. Right. And so, and COVID is not a pulmonary disease. It, it, they have found that it attacks the cardiovascular system. So your cardiovascular system then is your entire artery, vein, capillary system within right. your body that goes everywhere. And so when we talk about then not, if you choose not to, to, to vaccinate, then that's fine. But, but to say that, um, that, that it is an issue around faith, um, then it then also, as we're having this conversation of this brilliance around technology, what the church has done um, in speaking against technology is another reason that the black community is so far behind in having access to information. Because right. if we don't have access to the information, then we're a, then we remain subject to what we call to be faith, which really isn't faith, but it is ignorance. Um, right. It is because we do not know and we have, um, we, because we've been removed from the information. I Can want I to say, say this, is, is, I, want, I want to say this, that, mm -hmm. that if you are in um, a church and you celebrate the nurses in your church, um, or in your church, you, you laud the doctors in your church, and you know that your church, and you know that these people 
are, are spirit-filled, they are Christians, they are saved, they believe in Jesus Christ. And now you turn on the same hinge and say that, that science or that, that what they are doing now, this vaccine is, is something uh, that, that is foreign, then you are saying that the very person that you just celebrated within your own community now is part of some major conspiracy. The issue is this, is that our black funeral homes are backed up. We can't, funerals are being pushed out weeks at a time still because we are dying. We have funerals that people show up, they're not vaccinated and everyone in the first car ends up dead within the last two weeks. I'm not giving you a, just a hypothetical right. to you of what I know as facts that families are being wiped out. And so I want us to be clear. First, let us stop saying that this vaccine was created quickly. Right. They've been studying this for 19 years. Then let me say this as well, that the Pfizer vaccine was done, the, and, and our faces are often here. We're talking, um, our guest on today has talked about black women and women actually being the ones that push things forward. What we also are discrediting is that this vaccine was created by a black woman who had been studying this for years, for years. And so let us stop killing our communities and ourselves with not having all of the information. Let us protect each other. If you love your families, if you love your children, if you, if, if you desire the best for your grandchildren, let us all make it through this pandemic on this side of life. And can I just say one thing on top of that before we close out? Um, in addition to everything you just shared, it is Dr. Burns. Yes. Um, it's one of the things that we have to combat also. The one thing I didn't say is a lot of what we call media disinformation online. And so all of the conspiracy theories all the things about if you get that COVID test, you know it's going to stick to your arm and some metal. And those are being pushed on Facebook. They're being pushed on YouTube. They are part of the what Congress is trying to hold all of these social media accounts to. And all of the foundation, everybody, all those who are about justice, right? And in my opinion, people are about justice and they're about liberation theology, right? are trying to get a hand on the amount of misinformation that people get access to online, including black people, right? That allow those conspiracies to flow and tell them why they should not get the vaccines by people who care nothing about who they are, right? Mm. Often very white ring, very conservative Republican publications that create these types of myths online and target because of coding can target black people and tell them don't do this, right? Mm. And so part of once again, going back to the conversation, Dr. Wallace, earlier about how do we help our youth and how do we help our churches? Part of it is you have to teach them how to deconstruct narratives that are not good for us, that are that are being promulgated online, right? And hold and, and help Congress hold social media accounts accountable for stopping the media disinformation about vaccines. And so you talk about what is the what is the black church call? It is to be that for us. But for us to get there, we really have to educate ourselves. Yeah. Oh, my, my, my. Thank you. 
Dr. Wilson, hang around for us backstage for us, please. Powerful. You. you all hit those heart buttons, and um, this information Powerful. today has been transformative. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Dr. Wilson. All right. Uh, God bless each of you. Um, and the Lord says the same on next week. Uh, I'm presiding Elder Orinthia Mason um, will be our guest. And so we do look forward to you all being with us on next week.